Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, coming to you once again from Arlington, Texas, today with episode 610 of the Survival Podcast. It's Wednesday, February 23rd, 2011, and uh, we're going to have a different kind of show today. I guess a little different anyway. I'm going to talk to you today about being positive in a world full of disasters. And, and more about being positive as a whole. I mean, today is going to be, I don't know, maybe a little bit of motivational speaker Jack will get involved with today. Um, I just think that we live in a world with so many opportunities in it. Now, we sit and we talk about problems every day here on the show. We talk, we, but you know, even I say that, I try to talk more about the solutions for you as an individual than the problems for us as a whole. But we do look at the problems. I mean, think about it. Every day, we can point to some other new way that the liberty of our nation is eroding. We can point to a new way uh, that our an individual freedom is being taken. We can point to uh, a risk to something we all depend on, like our food supply or our water supply. We can find a part of the world where an earthquake has hit, like just happened in uh, in New Zealand. And a lot of people lost their lives, and even more people lost their livelihoods in their homes. Haven't heard about that one much, have you? I mean, I guess it's not as uh, not as liberal, bleeding heart as Haiti is, uh, but a tremendous earthquake just recently struck in Christchurch, New Zealand, and um, and and took the lives and the livelihoods of many people. And, and we have all of these things that we look at. We have all of these news stories that you guys send me. You know, I'm constantly getting emails from you about this is what the government's doing, and these are things that we have to worry about. These are things that are going wrong. How do you stay positive and all that? And even if you're not aware, if you're not a modern survivalist, if you're not paying attention, there's plenty of negative people out in that space as well. We're going to talk about how you shift from that consciousness. So let's put it this way. So that you have something worth surviving for. I, I always wonder what I hear from the survival-minded person who tells me how bad everything is and how there's no hope and how the average person out there doesn't care and no one's ever going to do anything and even if we tried to help everybody, no one would take any action. I just why, why are you even trying to survive if that's how you feel? I'm going to try to help you not be that person and give you a booster shot today. Best I can with the still scratchy voice, but uh, I'm going to do it for you. Before we do, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today, Safe Castle Royal. I love Safe Castle because, well, they're one of the longest-term uh, sponsors that I've had on the show. And they also provide an immense amount of resources for your prepping needs. Long-term food storage items, 12-volt products to work with your solar and wind projects, and any, everything else you can think of in between. Awesome company, great service, great discount club, too. 29 bucks one-time lifetime membership to the discount club. Big discounts on just about everything they sell for the rest of your life. But if you're part of the Member Support Brigade, you get that for free. So Members Brigade is, uh, you know, is, is $50 a year. Well, that covers, you know, almost 30 bucks worth of it. Today I'm going to tell you how effectively 
You can get that for a member, first year members brigade for a dollar if you want the Safe Pet Castle Discount Club. That'll come just in a second though. Cause sponsor of the day number two today is knifekits.com. I love knifekits.com because they let everybody learn the art of blade making and knife crafting. Whether you are a master bladesmith just in need of raw materials or whether you are a brand new person to the, the art of knife making and you just want kind of like, Remember those snap-together kits we had when we were kids with models where you did a little bit of painting, but you basically snapped everything together. You didn't even have to really use glue. You know, you had decals and things like that. Well, it's not the same thing, but you can see the same kind of nov novice to professional level of progression. You could have kind of a piece-together kit where you do the final fit and finish, maybe a little bit of personalization, you sharpen up the blade, or you can just get the raw materials and build your own custom blades from the ground up. Either way, it's up to you. They have some really cool handle material. Like I said, they have, uh, I've said in the past, they've got mammoth tusk. You can get mammoth tusk to make handles for knives. I just think that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So check out Knife Kits. And remember, if you're MSB, they also give you a 5% discount on all purchases. Um, I also want to do kind of throw out a little sale today on the Member Support Brigade and give you a little bit of information about what you get. I always say that you get lots of great discounts. I uh, just mentioned two of the discounts that you get today from the Member Support Brigade. But with the Support Brigade, what you're actually doing is you're supporting the show. You're supporting the show, and at about $50 a year, that comes out to less than $0.20 cents an episode. I think I did the math one time based on my total shows for a year, and it was like $0.18.3. Cents, okay, So you get off the show, you think, hey, man, that was worth uh, $0.18. Cents. You know, join that Member's Brigade. But you do get a return of investment. You get discounts from 25 different vendors now. Uh, but I wanted to read to you the, the, the nine free, or, or actually it's ten free ebooks now that you get. Uh, planting trees the low cost easy way. How to build top bar beehives. Basics of sprouting. Building an EPAC kit. Getting your household in order. Building a traditional clay oven. Building an aquaponic system. Secrets of ballistic striking and Squanto's garden. All of those are free ebooks that are part of your membership. And today, like I said, if you're going to get the, the free Safe Castle membership for $29, I'm going to tell you effectively how you can get your member support brigade for a dollar for the first year. I'm running a sale today, and I'm running it through the end of the, uh, the month, February 28th. The discount code is POSITIVE to go coincide with today's show. Again, POSITIVE, P-O-S-I-T-I-V-E, POSITIVE, like having a positive impact. And uh, that will give you your first year of members brigade for $30. $30, first year of members brigade. And um, if you get the Safe Castle membership for free after you do that, which is worth 29 bucks, effectively you paid a buck for your first year. So uh, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade today. You can do that by going to the survivalpodcast.com and clicking on Members. Now let's get into the main topic of today's show. Like I was saying in the intro, I hear from a lot of people out there in the audience about how everything is just hopeless. There's no reason to even fight anymore is the way some of these people sound. I hear about all the conspiracy theories and how we're all going to be marched to our death or some other nonsense. And I, I just feel like, stop, 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 stop. Just, you know, basically putting all of these things into your head. Yes, the government does many evil things. Yes, the conspiracy theorists have a point on some of their issues. But when we take this to the extreme, we can't end up anywhere other than feeling helpless. We can yell, we can scream, we can hold up a sign, we can send a bunch of emails around, we can send out chain email after chain email after chain email, 90% of which are actually hoaxes. We can delude ourselves into believe electing the next, you know, electing the next person, 
uh, with the different initial after their name is going to change things. And if we do that long enough and nothing changes, we start to feel really depressed. And that's where some of this comes from. But it's not always political. It's not always survival related. Some people are what, you know, you can only call an Eeyore. And for those that don't know, Eeyore is the donkey from Winnie the Pooh. And he's the one that's like, it'll never work. It just isn't worth doing. And people like that drive me mad. They drive me absolutely insane. And I don't even understand how you can be a modern survivalist and be that person. And I'm going to talk to you about a lot of reasons to be positive and be happy that you are a modern survivalist, to be happy that you are awake and aware, and to have hope for the future. Not maybe for everybody's future, but for your own and for your children. And to believe that we can do better than we've done in the past. And to have some faith in your fellow man, for God's sakes. I, I get emails from people as well. Like I did the show on guerrilla gardening down in Argentina. And he's like, if we gave the seeds to the people in America to do guerrilla gardening, they just hate them and throw them away. They would never plan anything. No one here does nothing. And I'm like, you know, why don't you just leave then? Why, why, why are you here? What do you think you're fighting for? What do you think you're a patriot of? If you think all of your fellow countrymen are that bad, why bother? And I just can't abide it. I felt I had to do this show today to try to pull some of the people that, I mean, maybe if you're down in there, it's too late. You know, maybe something has to happen in your personal life to get you out of that hole, that antlion hole. You know, but... If you're on the edge of it and you're heading down into it and you're letting that mentality pull you in, I want to reach down in there. I want to grab you by the hand today and I want to pull you out. And there's a few things that have me thinking this way. One, I got to make sure you guys are in the right mindset so you don't have your, your brain exploded on Tuesday next week when Gary Vaynerchuk is on to talk about all the great opportunities out there to build a business today and how that relates to your, your sustainability and your survivalism. That if you can write your own ticket to some degree, you have so much more stability in an unstable world. I mean, this guy is like, I mean, he's, he's, he's like a puppy on crack is the best way I can describe this guy. He's always happy and he's never not happy and he's always motivated and he's always going forward. So I got to get you guys into that. Two, I got to pull myself back up where I normally am. I was just gone for a long weekend with a buddy of mine who's an Eeyore. He's a great guy. I love him like a brother, and there's very few people I actually say that about. I know a lot of people spit that out all the time. This guy I see as much as family as anybody uh, with my blood. In fact, far more family than plenty of people that I do share blood with. So I love the guy. I love him as a brother. But he drives me crazy with the negativity. And I just spent five days with him. And he just recently lost a job. And he's talking about losing his home and selling his house when he's got income for another two and a half months. You know, where if worse comes to worse, you know, and I'm like, even my usage of that term is totally different than his. Worse comes to worse is the first thing that's going to happen to this guy all the time, and you got to plan for it now, and it's always a terrible thing. I'll sell my stuff and put it in a shed and maybe maybe live with my dad and move down there with my fiance and try to figure out what to do next. You know, where I'm always like, well, if worse comes to worse, we just start over. And those two personalities, you wonder how we're such good friends, for going on 20 years now, with being that diametric opposition, and maybe it's because people like that need each other to a degree. I don't know. 
But I do know that after being with a guy like that for five days, I got home. I told my wife, I got to take a shower. She's like, yeah, I guess after being in the car for about six hours, you, you know, you kind of feel sweaty and all. I'm like, no, I got like neg, I got to get the negativity off me. I got to get off of this. I, I, I you know, even yesterday, it took like a day of just talking to her to get, get it out of my system. It's almost, it's almost a disease, this negativity that people have. And there's no reason for it. And there's certainly no reason for it in your life. And I don't care how down you are, you gotta pull yourself up. And you gotta have enough respect for yourself. And I'm gonna give to you at the end of today's show. And one undeniable truth about yourself. And I'm gonna bet you that more than half of the audience, and possibly 75 to 85% of the audience is not gonna be able to make a single statement. One sentence I'm gonna ask you to say today. And I'm gonna bet over half of you can't do it. And you're really going to have a hard time building the life you want if times get tougher, even if they don't, until you can say it, say it out loud, and mean it. So listen today, because maybe by the time we get to it, I'll have some of you that couldn't say it right now if I told you what it was, ready to say it. The first thing, though, I want to say is that overall, this audience and the community, and I just I don't just mean the survival podcast community, I mean the survival-minded community. The wilderness survival community, the modern survival community, the urban homestead committee. Did the Deveuses hear me? Am I getting a cease and desist order? Are they going to sue me? They've not sued anybody yet, by the way, but they, I guess they could, right? The urban homestead movement, the suburban homestead movement, the permaculture movement, all of these interwoven, intermeshed, interwebbed communities that, that look at things like peak oil. Look at the failings of modern agriculture. Look at the future of inflation. All of them, in general, are some of the most positive people in the world. They really are. I, I, you know, I talk about some of the people I get emails from, and I think sometimes those people aren't Eeyores like my buddy. I think they're just down that day, and they're looking for me to try to bring them up a little bit, and I try to do it when I can. I don't want to sound like I was picking on anybody there. I just want to draw a picture for you. But I think we are the most positive people in the world. And I think there's a reason for that. We're aware. We're aware of the problems. And I think most people that try to deny the problems cannot comprehend how we can know the problems as intimately as we do, including the ones they completely deny, including the ones they see as false, and still be positive. And it's a simple thing, folks. It's okay to know problems if you know solutions. That's what, really what it comes down to. This is why we're positive people. Yeah, we know the food supply is basically poison now. But we also know we only have to use so much of that supply that we can provide some of our own. We know the solution. Buy locally. Buy from organic growers. Grow some of your own. Barter with your neighbors. So instead of saying... This problem is so insurmountable that it's going to crush me and being like Eeyore. Or instead of saying, this problem is so insurmountable, I will deny it and continue to partake of this, this, this poison. We can say, the problem is huge, but I am greater than the problem. I am greater than the problem. I have the ability to think. I have the ability to act. I have the ability to protect myself. I have the ability to protect my family. Yes, shortages are coming. I can store food. And I can grow food. Yes, inflation is coming. And I can invest in smart things. 
Not just gold and silver, not just stocks and bonds. I can invest in my knowledge. I can invest in my home. I can invest in energy, not by buying carbon credits from a fat ass who eats hamburgers every day and doesn't give one damn about green energy, even though he got a, uh, you know, what is it, the Nobel Prize or the Pulitzer or whatever the hell it was. Nobel Prize for freaking caring about polar bears. And the guy's, the guy's ass expands every day from eating his burgers. I can be positive because none of that affects me. I'm not going to invest in that kind of energy. Investing in energy doesn't necessarily mean buying stock in Exxon. I can put something on my roof that will power my home. Yes, there are diseases out there that can infect us one day. I can be prepared to do whatever it takes to get through a major pandemic. From strengthening my immune system to eating right in the first place to having an idea of where I would go if something really beyond our capability happens to isolate until it passes, I am in control. How can anyone who begins to realize that own level of personal power really be a negative person? And it extends into the things that generally are bridges between the world, I'd say, of the modern survivalist and the person that just doesn't pay attention. Plenty of people out there want to build a business of their own that have no inkling as to the dangers that our world faces. And plenty of people here in the modern survival community also would like a business of their own. You ain't going to do it if you're not positive. Building a business in the first year is working for, if you're lucky, less than minimum wage and making some profit. That's, that's the first part of being in business for yourself. Most likely losing money in your first year. Making a little bit of money, but making so little money that you would have been better off spending 10% of the time you spent working on your business delivering pizzas. You would have come out ahead. You would have more time and more money. It's having everybody around you telling you you're doing it wrong and what you should be doing and what you need to do versus what your instinct, your heart, and your passion tells you to do. The people that succeed at that have to be positive people. No Eeyore ever built anything. Not a life, not a business, nothing. So if you're, if you're an Eeyore, you gotta, you gotta shit can that stuff. You gotta get out of it. You gotta get the funk off you. I said funk, not the other thing. Other thing Paul Wheaton said the other day. It was the first time anybody ever used that word on TSP, including myself. Um, those of you that are going to be tuning in for the Vaynerchuk interview, be prepared for the F word. I'm not going to censor him. I'm going to mark that show explicit because uh, that's just who he is. Uh, pre-warning there for your kids. But no Eeyore ever built anything of any significance. We also have to realize something as modern survivalists. I say this often. I'm going to go a little bit deeper into its real meaning today, though. We have to prepare every bit as much for success as we do for failure. I emphatically believe that the United States dollar, as we know it, is doomed. I believe the currency will collapse. I also know for a fact the currency has collapsed five times. From 1900 till 2011, the United States dollar has had five collapses and recoveries. It has completely changed shape, form, and backing five times. Again, five It's about once every 30 years. We're overdue. Last time was uh, 1971. Nixon removing us from the last vestiges of the gold standard. That was a currency collapse. Did you know that that was basically a currency collapse? 
So the currency collapse that could come next could be like what happened in 1971, followed by hyperinflation, uh, and then kind of levels out and goes back through. Remember what the 80s were like? The 90s, they were pretty good. Early 2000s. Other than the dot-com crash and 9-11, 2000s really weren't that bad, right up till 2008. So what I'm saying is that all of this concern that in the next year or five years or whatever number you have in your head, we're going to have the real apocalypse, might be right, but history has shown that it's more likely that it will be wrong. That the disasters that will befall us will not be like the movies, they will not be like Hollywood, they will not be like the Road Warrior or the Book of Eli or any of these other things that we have in our heads. We are foolish to believe that those level of disasters cannot occur, but we are equally foolish if we bet on them occurring. I hear from people all the time, why should I pay off my credit card debt? When the shit hits the fan, it won't matter because the banks will be dis dissolved anyway and all of you guys that paid the money back are going to look like fools. Well, when, when the shit hits your fan, that was a term that I just got today um, from somebody on the, the website Uh, let me get their uh, handle real quick so I don't do them a disservice because I want to mention them for this. Okay, sing, I think it's Brittany, B-R-I-T-N-I. -I, and I think Brittany is a, uh, I don't know if that's a first name of a lady or a last name of a guy or just an online handle. General neutral there, I don't know until I hear from Brittany. But uh, uh, Brittany, I, from other comments, get works in the insurance adjusters industry. And uh, she put up today uh, a post where she mentioned uh, S-H-Y-F. The shit hits your fan. And I think that we need to understand that more of the disasters that we're going to face are going to be the shit hitting our fan than the shit hitting the nebulous national fan or the state fan or the global fan. That every day the shit hits the fan for someone, for lots of someones. You are more likely to lose your job than you are to witness the end of the world as we know it. You are more likely to go to a doctor and be told you have cancer than to see the complete and total economic failure of the United States like the book Patriots predicts. You are more likely to, God forbid, lose your wife or your child than to see a solar flare knock out the global electric grid. Both of the things in each comparison can happen But the individual tragedies are all for, far more likely to happen. And, you know, how do we get positive when we think about that? Well, we can do things about all of them. And we also have to realize that each of us lives in a sphere. We live in a bubble. This is from The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Never read the book, looked at the one page, and never needed to read the book. I got everything I needed from that book. Despite how many people told me I needed to read the book, I got everything from the one page. And I know, I know for a fact that the universe told me to read the book. And that I got it, and I, it, because the message stopped coming. I got person after person say, oh, you got to read this book. You got to read this book. I opened up the book, looked at the page, and no one ever again suggested I read the book. I believe in innate intelligence. Call it God, call it spirit, whatever it is for you in your walk, whatever spiritual walk you have, I believe in it. And on this page, there was two circles. And we, they said we live in each one. 
And the smaller circles are circle of influence. It's the things that we actually affect and care about. So things like our circle of influence would be the condition of our backyard. A circle of influence would be how much money we make. Circle of influence would be what school our children go to or do not go to if we want to homeschool them. Our circle of influence would be many, many things, but they would all be things we can directly influence. Our circle of concern is everything we care about. What the ass clowns are doing in Washington, the price of tea in China, how fast the train runs in Spain, and anything else you can think of, that when you hear about it, you care about it, but you don't actually influence it. And effective people focus on what they can influence. And I thought, that's great. I put the book back on the shelf and didn't buy it. Not because I was cheap and didn't want to spend the eight bucks, because I didn't even spend the time reading the book. That was all I needed to know. Today, when I look at that, though, I realize something more important than being an effective person is being a positive person. And I'm going to tell you today that positive people focus on the things they can influence. And they spend very little time worried about the things that concern them. So even if we look into our circle of concern and we look to Egypt or Bahrain and we see uh, riots, it's not in our circle of influence. It may have messages for us. It may tell us certain things about what a societal breakdown looks like, what a government does when a society breaks down. But if we sit around and worry about it and focus on it, we're, we're, we are the ass clowns that I call the Congress. And I don't want to be the ass clown that is the congressman. I really don't. And I don't want you to be either. Congressmen spend all types of time focusing on things that they really can't influence. Running their hot air mouths. And then when they do pass a law that destroys a liberty and does the exact opposite of what they've sworn to do when they swore into office and, decide, and said that they would uphold and defend our Constitution. And what we do is very, very similar. When we focus on the things that we can't influence, the actions that we do take deny ourselves liberty. We're so worried about that, and we feel like because we're worried, because we're upset, it's not okay to be happy. It's not okay to have joy. It's not okay to play. It's not okay to go out and do things, to dig in the dirt and make a garden, or to get into the woods and hunt a deer, or to get to the side of the fishing stream and catch a fish, or whatever does it for you. See, those are things that do it for me. You're going to have to fill in the blanks there with what does it for you. But I'm going to ask you something, and I want you to be honest with yourself and me right now. And this is one of those times where if you listen to the show in the background, pause it till you can, or right now, focus. What do you love most to do in the world? And how much of it have you done in the past five years? And if the number of hours spent doing it is smaller than it, not only uh, not only you want it to be, because some of us would want to do it 100% of the time, and it's not realistic, but if it's a very small number, if it's smaller than it should be, you're focused on things that you're concerned about versus things that you influence. And you need to take time for yourself. And you need to take time for your family. And you need to focus on those things. And if you do that, you just might have a little bit more positive view of the world. And again, it doesn't mean that we don't observe our concern sphere, you know? And I like the sphere better than the circle, because the sphere is more realistic. The circle is one-dimensional or two-dimensional. The sphere is three-dimensional. It's more like the world that you sit in. And that sphere is all around you. And here's the part where a lot of people create a lot of misery for themselves. 
They don't understand where one ends and the other begins. Just because you can speak to somebody and talk to somebody and have a conversation with somebody doesn't mean they're in your circle of influence fully. It means they exist on the line. Whenever you're dealing with another human being, no matter how close they are to you, a son, a daughter, a wife, a husband, a best friend, a brother, no matter who that person is, because they're human, they do not exist wholly in your circle of influence. If they did, they would be your slave. So you have this person that you genuinely care about, that you want to help. And you have to understand the influence you have over them is whatever they choose to allow you. The authority you have over them is whatever they choose to allow you. Parents, with those little kids running around, especially when like seven, eight years old, think you're still in control, you're deluding yourselves. You're not in control. Every bit of authority you have over any human being at the point that they comprehend and understand language and free will is the authority granted to you by the individual. Your seven-year-old you do not have authority over just because you'll put your foot in their ass. I'm not saying you should when it's called for. I sure did as my boy was growing up, and I'd like to think that influence has been positive. But at any point in time, even with a child, they let you have as much influence as they feel they need from you. So when you have a person that you're trying to share the prepping message with, or any other thing with, be it an evangelical message, be it an investing message, be it a simple piece of friendly advice, once you give the information, you have to give it like a charity. When you put money into an offering plate in a church, or write a letter to the American Red Cross with a check, or give it to St. Jude's, or donate it to the Fallen Heroes Fund, or you have a family member that came on hard times and you hand it to them, the second you let go, you must let go 100%, or you will be end up miserable with the results instead of happy. Because you will worry about what they've done with your contribution. When you give something, you don't get that control. That's a loan, even if it's not repaid. That's a grant, even if it's not repaid. It comes conditionally. Giving is unconditional. And when you speak to someone and give them advice or try to share something with them, you have to do it the same way. Once you've done it, it must be released. Because what happens is you've told this person over and over, look, we're headed for some hard times. You need to at least store a little bit of food. God, you got to have at least some life insurance. You know, come on. You have to have some plan for tomorrow. You have to save some of your money. You have to stop going into debt. Look what you're doing to your family. That's my niece and nephew. This is your son and daughter. Please listen to me. But once you say it, you got to let it go. Because if you stay vested in it, you've now crossed over. You've gone from your sphere of influence, which is the advice, into your sphere of concern, which is the action of the other individual. That's true in a workplace. That's true in school. That's true in a family. There is a point where you must release Now, with your children, there's a point for a foot in the ass. But even that's only temporary. How long do you think you get the right to tell your child what they may and may not do? 18? 21? 28? When are they a whole, full human being able to make their own choices? Parents, your job is to work yourself out of a job. And the day you get fired, 
That's the day you've become a success. The day your kids can genuinely look at you and go, appreciate it. Thanks for the advice, Dad. Thanks for the advice, Mom. I'm going to go do this anyway. They do it with a modicum of competence. Doesn't mean they don't fail, but they don't end up in a jail cell or in a morgue. You've done your job. And somebody somewhere should come hand you a trophy. Because it's the hardest and most rewarding job in the world. It should be recognized more for what it really is. But the positive aspect is, and this is so important that if you're you're not a parent, you understand that the same thing applies to you. Your co-worker, your brother, your best friend, your neighbor. Once you give, you must release. I don't care if it's money or advice or sharing a message or whatever it is. And here's the funny thing. If you tell a person, hey, look, really, you should pay attention to what's going on here. You should be a little bit more prepared for the future. Here's some of the things I'm doing. You might want to consider them doing too. And if you will actually shut the hell up after you do that, the odds that that person will eventually come around and come back to you for your help and start taking action are actually dramatically higher than if you just keep badgering them. And you email Jack and say, I don't know what else to say. I've answered that email a lot of times with, try silence. You've said it. Try silence. And go live your life and be an example. And eventually that is going to be far more effective. But for your own sake, it has to be released. The next thing I think that causes the most misery in the world is money. I think money is the most positive or negative force on the planet, depending on how you personally view it. You know, on my way home with uh, my buddy, we were talking about money. And he's like, you know, you need money for this, you need money for that. It's so easy to say this, and it's so easy to say that, but if you don't have it. And I, I understand, because I've been broke in my life. I've been dead-ass broke. I mean, I'm, I was telling this guy, I said, dude, you stop, stop saying this stuff like, you know, I got a minus touch and I touch a brick and it turns to gold or something stupid like that. I'm the guy that when I first moved to Texas for six months slept on your floor. And my first job, I, I made $5.90 an hour to pack boxes in a warehouse. So I know what it is to be broke. But that only means that at that time I didn't understand money. So we're driving through kind of East Texas at this point, and I, I turn to my bud and I say, hey man, look, if you needed pine needles right now, and at any point in your life, would you ever be concerned about getting enough pine needles? And we're driving through the piney forest. I mean, there's pines everywhere. And he goes, no, that's stupid. I said, why not? He goes, because there's plenty of pine needles out there. And I'm driving, and I literally, I'm like, ah! I wanted to jerk the steering wheel out of the truck and throw it out the freaking window and go, how do you not understand that there's plenty of money out there? That doesn't mean you just go take it from somebody. But what it does mean is there's plenty out there and all you have to do is live your life in a way that is somewhat pleasing to you and allows you to acquire as much of it as you need for whatever you want. And millions of people around you do it every day. Then I asked an interesting question. And I'm going to ask this question of everybody listening to this show right now. I said, how much money have you given charity in the last 10 years? Here's the silence. And he's thinking, and he's thinking, and he's thinking. I know what he's thinking. 
well, we give away clothes, we give away stuff, we give away things. And he's trying to add up in his head what the value of all the old crap that he doesn't use anymore, that they've taken to goodwill and all and what have you. And then I said, you know, I'll let it go for a while because I know what he's doing because I already know the answer, right? And I want you to understand, I'm not beating my buddy up. My buddy's not a greedy person. He'll give you the shirt off your back if he thinks you need it. But he doesn't understand money. So eventually I said, money, cash, dollars, not stuff. He goes, well, truthfully, none. And I said, then how the hell do you think you're going to have any money? You know, and he's like, how much money and to whom and whatever. So it doesn't matter. Whatever, whenever, but you got to be willing to let go of it. Money's like sand, people. You want money in your life. You have to hold on to it the way you would hold on to sand if you wanted to hold as much sand in your hands as you possibly could. If you wanted to hold as much sand in your hand as you possibly could, dry sand, not wet sand. You're on the beach and you're up in the dry sand area. You would reach down into that sand and you would scoop up as much as you can in your two hands. And you would hold it very, very, very loosely. And very, very gently. And if any fell through your hands, you would understand that some's going to fall through. And you would allow that to fall through. And you would end up with a huge handful of sand. Millions and millions and millions, if not billions of grains, just held into human hands. Most people hold money in one tightly clenched fist. And if they could figure out how, two tightly clenched fists. We'll try that for you, me. The next time you get near a sandbox or a beach, go to the dry sand and see how much sand you can hold in two clenched fists. You'll find it's very, very small amount. We have to hold our money the same way. And the, the, the thing is, it's, it's just how it works. We hold our money loosely, we have more. If we hold it tightly, we have less. Don't ask me to explain it. I just say that's the way the universe works. But if you want the mechanics behind it, talk to a physicist, not me. Talk to a cosmologist, not me. I don't know. I just understand that it does work, and I accept it. Additionally, money isn't even real. Money is a symbol. I don't care if it's a gold coin, a silver coin, a paper note, a tally stick. Look that up if you don't know what a tally stick is. Those that think you can only make money with gold and silver and have it last... Find out what a tally stick is that lasted for 500 years and worked just fine as a form of currency. A seashell, a rock with a hole, and I don't care. Money is not the thing. It's the agreement between members of society. That's really what money is all about. When I agree that I will take some symbol, whether it's a bill or a coin or whatever it is, for a box of uh, ammunition, and someone else will take the same thing for a certain quantity of potatoes, whereas if I needed the potatoes, I would have traded the box of ammunition for the potatoes equally, however many they are, whether it's 10 sacks or 3 sacks or whatever, that agreement that that symbol represents the energy required for the production and delivery of the box of ammunition, the sack of potatoes, the bushel of corn, the building of a home, that agreement is the money, which means the money is it's the agreement, But what it really comes down to is it's a symbol for energy. Money is nothing but energy. And energy can be, you know, neither created nor destroyed, only changed in form. So when you work with money and you work for money, all you're doing is working and moving and shaping energy. You're not creating it or destroying it. It flows. The pocket of the holder changes. The supply grows because the energy relationship changes. But it's still just energy. 
Some people understand that energy can be stored in a battery. Some people only understand energy while it's being used. So the person that only understands energy while it's being used spends all of their life in manual labor, and it's okay if you enjoy it, but with no real gain. And the person that understands the battery and how it stores energy becomes an investor and an owner and a controller of energy. And that's fine if it's not abused. But the holistic person kind of lives in both of those worlds and understands that there is something to be said for using your own energy to create something. But there's also something to say for holding on to energy and controlling it and directing its movements and being an owner and an investor. That's really what money's all about. This is what we should be teaching our children by the time they're in high school about money. You know why they won't do it? Because the person that understands that has more control over the system than the system is comfortable with. I've just given you the most astute understanding of money that you will ever have for yourself. Not necessarily what's going to make you a billionaire or a millionaire or anything like that. But if you can take what I just told you and not just hear the words, but really pull them internally and understand them, everything about your preparedness, your prepping, your lifestyle, everything will be more positive. Everything will work better for you by your own definition and your own judgment, not by my judgment or your neighbor's judgment. And when it comes to money, there's nothing more attached to money in Americans than their jobs. I mean, the job is it all. It's everything to the average American. You know, one of the most annoying things a human being can do, to, do, do is tell another human being what their annual salary is when they weren't asked. You know? And I think most people that do that aren't bragging because I actually find that the people that tend to do it are upper middle class or middle class or even lower middle class or people that make an annual salary somewhere between, you know, let's say thirty-five dollars and uh, $85,000. You don't hear a lot of people telling you, hey, this year I, I, I made $195,000. People that make $195,000 are usually kind of uh, keep quiet about it, you know. And the reason for that is that the person that's struggling but has worked so hard to get to that 60 grand or 50 grand or 70 grand or whatever it is has worked so hard to get there and they just feel like I still don't have what I thought I would have. And they begin to identify themselves with their achievements. And since their achievements are actually very, very meaningful achievements, but internally they don't feel like they have any, their only achievement is a number. And now they identify themselves as their salary. And what happens to that person when they lose a job? That, ident that number that was their new identification number, their new number of pride, is a zero. So what happens to their pride? What happens to their belief in themselves? What happens to their belief in their fellow man? When they lose the number that was $70,000, 70,000 somethings, 70,000 space credits, whatever it was. It was 70,000. I worked my butt off and I got there and now my number is a zero. So how do I feel about myself? I feel like shit about myself. That's how I feel. How do I feel about my fellow man? I'm not much more fond of him. In fact, he still has a job, so now I resent him. 
Now I'm negative. And if I'm a modern survivalist and I've been preparing for disaster and I lose my job and I have that feeling, I don't even understand that whatever I've been doing for the last year or two or three or more has prepared me for this very event. I'm going to put it to you this way. Your job is both important and completely meaningless at the same time. It's important because this is a real world. And I don't know if you've been to the store lately, but prices do keep going up. You do have to eat. You have to keep a roof over your head and food on your table. You have to pay the bills. If you want to be able to turn the light bulb on, you got to pay the bills. If you want solar energy to replace the, 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 the energy you buy a la carte, you got to have money to put the solar system in. But the job itself is not you and you are not attached to it. If you are identifying yourself with your career and your salary, you're going to end up miserable. Sooner or later, the shit will hit your fan and you will be miserable. You will probably also be very likely to stay in a job you hate, work for people you despise, and stay in a career choice that you've made the wrong choice for if you identify yourself with your career and the number of dollars in your paycheck and the number of dollars in your 401k and the number of weeks of vacation time that your great overlords and masters have granted you in their humble benevolence. If you, do, if you, if you identify yourself as a human being worthy of happiness, worthy of respect, worthy of decency, deserving of your inherent rights that came to you by your creator, you will only tolerate the bullshit of any given job long enough to find one that is more suiting to your current needs. And you will take risks, and sometimes you will fall flat on your ass, but you will overall be a happier person. And I just know that to be true because when I started living that way, I started to be happier and fundamentally more successful as well. And people will look now and say, well, that's easy, Jack. You got the Survival Podcast. It's your main business. It's what you do. And those people were nowhere near me. They weren't getting in my way when it was 2 a.m. and I was working on this, this business at 2 a.m. in the morning and I had to get up at 5 a.m. to get back to work and work on three other companies for three other people. And I was happy long before I built this. This just made me happier. The happiness led me here. Figuring out, hey, I'm, I am a human being and I deserve respect was one of the most important fundamental things that I've ever done. See, as survivalists, one of the traps we fall into is we so dearly love and care about our families and our children and our wives and our neighbors that we actually start to get to a point where we put the needs of all those people before our own needs. And you say, well, that's a great way to live. It's a terrible way to live. That doesn't mean you be selfish. But if you can't be happy, what kind of father are you? If you can't be happy, what kind of wife are you or mother? If you can't be happy, what kind of a brother are you? Do you, let me ask you, put it another way that will make it easier for you to understand. Do you like to be around miserable people? Do you seek them out? When you meet someone and you start talking to them and they're an Eeyore, do you say, gee, I want to be friends with this person. I can't wait to invite them over for drinks. We should get together with his wife and my wife and we should go out and have dinner together. Or do you think, oh, God, ugh. How do I get away from this person tactfully and elegantly and hopefully never see them again? If you're a business person and that person happens to be someone calling on you and you're their client, 
Do you get, tell them I died syndrome when they call you? You tell your secretary or your assistant, tell them I'm dead. Now, if you feel that way when you have this inherent negativity following you around, you don't, you don't want to be around that person. How do you think, if you, if you turn into that, how do you think the people you care about feel about you? Okay, I promised you something at the end of this show. I promised to give you a statement that the average person and even the average listener to TSP might have a really hard time saying out loud and meaning. And I'm going to give you that right now. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's something I've known for a long time. It was something I really needed to hear. I don't even remember where I heard it. And I don't think when I heard it, it hit me. So be prepared for this to hit you later if it doesn't hit you now. Because I think I kind of heard it in passing. But here it is. And I want you to, again, well, this is one of those times where if you're listening in the background, stop, listen to me. Hear what I'm about to say. And see how this hits you. I'm telling you. As one human being to another, you deserve what you want. Let me say it again. You deserve what you want. And as much as you deserve what you want, this is the one that's hard to say. Can you say this for yourself? I deserve what I want. And most people can't do it. Most people really can't do it. If you're just right now going, of course I deserve what I want. Congratulations. Because you're going to have an amazing life. And you're going to be an amazing person for the people around you that care about you. And you're not selfish. If you've been able to say it and then you think, oh, wait a minute, I don't know if I should be able to say that. Stop the thought. Just keep saying it. If you can't say it, you've got work to do on yourself. It's going to be real hard for you to be a survivalist if you can't say that. And society has programmed us to believe that that's a selfish mentality. Let me put it to you this way. What you want is always tempered by other things that you want. So I can want a million dollars, but if that delivery of that million dollars takes it away from somebody else who earned it, I don't still want it. I want my own million dollars. I want to create it. I want to create the value. So believing you deserve what you want doesn't mean you're entitled to it. I'm entitled to what I want is a totally different statement and one that should be not in your vernacular. Entitled means that you don't have it, someone should give it to you. Entitled means that if it hurts somebody else, tough crap. It's You're entitled to it. Deserving it means that If you can get it, you should be able to keep it. It means that you deserve to have what you want based on the priority of your wants. So I might want, wanted to long ago have moved to Arkansas as we are currently doing now. But I wanted more for my son to get through school and to get a great start in life and to have his freedom of choice and not to be uprooted for a third time. I wanted my wife to be ready to go and at my side as a full partner whether it be rather than being coerced. So while I had one thing I wanted, there were other tempering things I wanted more. Positive people understand those tempering factors. Those mitigating factors are also their wants. 
versus limitations placed upon them. Fathers, mothers, children, brothers feel trapped when they think that those things that are keeping them from the big want are limitations. They're not limitations. The only reason they're, reason they're limiting you is because you want them more than whatever you think is the big want. So saying it is a very safe thing to do. It doesn't free you to, 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 to no longer care about anybody else. But it does free you to do the one thing many Americans have a very hard time doing today. It frees you to actually care about yourself. It frees you to realize that you are just as valid as a human being as all the people you care and love about. You know, you care about and love. You're just as valid as they are. And that they care about you and love you the same way you care about and love them. And that they are fighting this same battle. That they think it's not okay for them to have what they want so that you can have what you want while you think it's not okay for you to want what you want so that you can have what they want and none of you are happy. And gee, doesn't that sound screwed up? Welcome to the modern American and to be fair, the modern global lifestyle. Society has screwed us up where we no longer have enough faith in ourselves to give ourselves the permission to be freaking happy. And we wonder why families dissolve and families break up and why women say he's not the man that I married and why men say she's not the woman I married. Because we stop living at all for ourselves and start living for the other person and no man can live for another. No man can live for another. Nor should any man ever desire to do so. To do so is slavery. We already have the government trying to make you into a slave. We already have the financial institutions of the world trying to make you into, this, into a slave. And we already have the massive corporate interests of the world trying to make you into a slave. Please don't be their ally in this, in this, in this battle. Please don't help them by enslaving yourself. Please don't help them by enslaving yourself to another individual who has then turned around and enslaved themselves to you. And then you're all enslaved to the three giant institutions of government corporatism, and finance. It just doesn't make any sense. It makes a hell of a lot more sense to be able to say, I deserve what I want. So I'm going to ask you today, again, one more time, can you say it? And can you mean it? And do you understand its implications for you? And do you understand that that means that if you're miserable, the only person you have to blame is yourself? If you're negative and you don't think there's a future, the only person you have to blame is yourself. It's not the fault of the guy on the television set. It's not the fault of the guy that Alex Jones told you about. It's not the fault of the person that's messed up the food supply. It's only you. We're all here in the same world. This is a level playing field for all. It's up to us how we deal with the adversity that comes our way. You can look at another person and think, well, they had it easier than me, and you really don't know if they do. You can drive down the road, and you can look at most of the people in the vehicles around you and think, boy, that person's clueless. They have no idea. And you don't realize that half of them are looking at you thinking the same thing. And neither one of you are clueless. You just don't talk to each other, so you don't know each other. But it's what it all comes down to, folks. It's all about choice. It's all about what you want going forward. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to stockpile food, if you're going to learn to defend your home, 
if you're going to invest in the future, if you're going to grow your own food, if you're going to create your homestead, whether it's a, a tiny lot in an urban environment or five acres in the mountains or 80 acres in a beautiful place where it's the greatest place in the world to have a farm and anything in between. If you're going to create that, if you're going to create independence and liberty for yourself, if you're going to create sustainability, if you're going to become resilient, self-reliant, self-sufficient, if you're going to calculate what you need to be able to live the rest of your life on your own terms, if you're going to do all that work, well, you better damn well have a positive attitude about it. Because number one, it ain't going to happen if you don't. And number two, if you can't have a positive view of your future, and your loved one's future, and the planet's future, what are you surviving for? I know what I'm surviving for. I'm surviving because I believe everything that I tell you on this show every day. Even when I find out I'm wrong, when I said it, I believed it. And then I back up and go, I made a mistake. But the principles, I might get a fact wrong once in a while, but the principles have never changed. The fundamental belief in liberty and freedom and independence and natural inborn rights of the individual have never changed. The fundamental principle that when you have too much debt in your life, you become a slave to the person that holds the debt has not changed. The fundamental principle that you have a right to happiness has not changed. And I want you to think about this. If you had trouble with the, set, the sentence, I deserve what I want, I deserve it, it's probably going to be the case that you never had a problem with the phrase that all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If you have an innate, fundamental right, written down by our founders, signed off on men that pledged their life and their sacred honor to a hope that one day you would hold on to it, and they said, and you have believed since you first heard the words, that you have a right to the pursuit of happiness. What else is the pursuit of happiness, than the belief that you actually deserve said happiness, that you deserve what you want. That it doesn't require you to abstain from being a moral, upright individual with moral fortitude. It doesn't require any of that. It just requires a belief that you're worthy, that you do deserve freedom, happiness, and liberty. And you can, you can have it. And what I talk about doing every day here is I tell you how to take it one piece at a time. Because so much has been lost. So much has been lost that you can't do it overnight. But because it's real, because it's true, because it's principle based, because it's law based, and I don't mean law in a book, I mean a law like gravity, gravity. You know, that's a law. You drop shit, it falls. That's gravity. That's a real law. Well, your right to happiness, your right to pursue it, your right to your life, your right to your liberty, 
Those are the same types of laws. It doesn't matter what a book says. It doesn't matter what a monarch says. It doesn't change the fundamental law of reality. As a human being, that can think, act, be, and do for yourself. You have that right. Act on it. Act on it every day. And thank your choice of the God above for it. Believe in it. Do it. Make it part of who you are. And you'll find that it's very hard to be anything but a remarkably positive individual. As you keep on searching, building, and working to build that better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Revolution is